Sound of Football with your host, Colin Summer, brought to you by WHIP. What's up, guys? It's Down to Football back with another episode. Hope everyone is doing well today. Took a brief intermission, had a lot going on at home, so wanted to take an extra week off, but we are back. And we are back with a new episode and another guest host. I have my good friend Ryan Hacker in here. Ryan, if you'd like to introduce yourself and say some things. Thanks, Ryan Hacker. Um, I'm originally from Burlington, New Jersey, not too far off from uh, Colin and East Hampton. Um, I'm currently living in Lynchburg, Virginia, though, because uh, I go to school at Liberty University, which is here in Lynchburg. Um, I'm studying sports management, and uh, my favorite team is the Washington football team. Yes, we got a Washington football team fan on the podcast today. Different perspective, <laughs> especially with such controversy in the past year. So this is going to be fun to talk about. Hope everyone enjoys. I hope everyone's having a good day. Well, first, let's get into some recent news. So right off the bat, Julian Edelman retires after 11 seasons, either 10 or 11 seasons, one or the other. And he has had an absolutely sparkling career. Let's talk a little bit about his journey. So no scholarships out of high school, right off the bat. How's he going to do in college? How's he going to get to college? Is he going to play in college? Is he even going to go to college? We don't know. He ends up going to Kent State. um, And he was their QB for a while. And in his entire college career, he had one catch for 11 yards. Hard to believe that, you know, he became the receiver that he was. He had no combine invite. He was a seventh-round pick, again, drafted as a QB. He was a three-time Super Bowl champ. He was Tom Brady's safety blanket for numerous years. He was also a Super Bowl MVP, and we can also bring up the clutch catch that he made. Absolutely. Yes, in the game-tying drive against Atlanta, approximately two minutes, 30 seconds on the clock, first down, trying to drive down the field, tie the game. Ball goes up in the air, bobbled, bobbled. Somehow Edelman doesn't let it touch the ground. One of the most iconic Super Bowl catches of all time, hands down. And beyond that, he's got 620 career receptions. It's pretty good. He's got 6,822 career yards, 41 total touchdowns. A big thing to mention, he has 118 postseason receptions and 1,422 playoff receiving yards. That puts him at second all-time in postseason history behind the great Jerry Rice. So that is quite the feat to accomplish. So all in all, and one thing we'll be discussing real quick is, would you say this is a Hall of Fame career? Uh, yeah, you know, honestly, it's tough because like with the regular season numbers that you see, like the 620 career receptions, which is good, and the 6,000, the 6,800 uh, receiving yards, like those don't scream Hall of Fame, but this man truly had a Hall of Fame work ethic. Like he is the league's, he has been the league's marathon man. Um, Tom Brady's go-to when he needed him most, one of the best playoff performers of all time. Um, His numbers might not scream first ballot, but I think at some point in time, this man's going to sneak into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I I think he deserves it. I think he's earned it. Um, And like you said, one of the biggest things for me when I look at Hall of Fame careers is have they had those moments that exemplify a Hall of Famer? And that catch in the Super Bowl with the, I caught it, I caught it just iconic like that is the highlight of his career and that is the epitome of a hall of famer in that moment in that play that's just where I stand on that yeah no I totally agree again basically agreeing with what you said his regular season stats don't exactly scream hall of fame for obvious reasons you know in totality I averaged about 600 yards a season which you know isn't great but it could be a lot worse but when it comes down to what he did in the playoffs for uh, for a guy who was supposed to be a seven who was a seventh round pick and drafted out of you know college as a QB, you know you end up getting you know you end up being second all time in playoff receiving yards. You don't exactly accomplish that just by you know for someone like him. You you have to like you said you have to have the work ethic and that is a Hall of Fame work ethic. You know you have a guy who's going after every single ball. That catch, a lot of receivers might just give up on it, you know, and hope that the other team doesn't, you know, intercept it. But Edelman, it's just – and one thing I was talking about to a couple of friends is that 
as a slot receiver. And again, he is a slot receiver. It's not like he's some wide receiver one. I don't think he ever has been. But the slot receiver, especially in his case, did so much dirty work and grinded out those, you know, those necessary yards that no one else really wants to get. It's just that's that's what screams the Hall of Fame to me is that in the clutch, in, in the most memorable moments, in the most important moments, he was able to come through. And oftentimes you don't have receivers, even great receivers that don't don't come up clutch like that. So I, I don't think he's first ballot, like you said. I do think he gets in within about two to three years of eligibility. I also, you know, have to put in the fact that where is he retiring? At what point in time? Is he retiring with a bunch of other greats around him? You know, because Drew Brees retired, so he's obviously yeah. doing that too. So you have to look at, you know, who else is retiring around him. And at that point, if it's a weak Hall of Fame class, you know, it might be a little bit easier for him to get in. So, yeah. But at and, the end of the day, I do think he's a Hall of Famer. I, and I would agree. Uh, I, I mean, literally, he's, he's Tom Brady's dude. Like, when Tom Brady needed a first down, Edelman was getting him the first time down no matter what. So, I mean. That says a lot. I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Uh, it might not be first ballot, but he's going to get in there eventually. For sure, for sure. And for other news, Sam Darnold was traded to the Panthers. Now, this happened a few weeks ago. Obviously, again, I took a little bit of a hiatus, so I was not here to talk about it, but we will talk about it now. So the Jets receive a 2022, not this year's draft, next year's draft, second and fourth round pick, plus a sixth round pick in this year's draft. And the Panthers receive Sam Darnold. Who do you think wins this trade? Uh, time's going to tell, honestly. I mean, if Sam Darnold is what the Panthers think Sam Darnold can be and lives up to that and he becomes the starter and he's the leader of that Panthers team, then it would be the Panthers. But I mean, the Panthers gave up not a lot for him. Um, so the Jets didn't really receive much. So it's hard for me to say that they're going to win this trade, um, because they're getting picks next year and he's sixth round this year. So it's hard for me to say that they're going to win this trade. Uh, honestly, time's going to tell. If Sam Darnold ends up being a bust in Carolina, then I would say the Jets because then you just get more worth for the picks that you were given and Sam, you get Sam Darnold off your back, get the monkey out of there. And then, uh, uh, but if he ends up being a solid starter and he needed that fresh start, then obviously it would be the Panthers. Yeah, I'm totally with you on this one. Uh, I think time will tell. But for right now, I'm at. I'm kind of leaning towards the Jets, and I'll say this for a reason. What the Panthers are getting is, right now at least, a failed third overall pick. You know, Sam Darnold never flourished in the Jets. It could just be the Jets' culture. It could just be the, you know, just – Sam Darnold didn't fit the Jets. It could just be right. that simple. Or Sam Darnold just doesn't have what it takes, doesn't have the capabilities of being a franchise quarterback. So I look at what the Jets are doing. So the Jets have the second overall pick this year. Why not take Zach Wilson? You know, Zach Wilson, he looked great at his pro day. He had a phenomenal college season last year. He, he would, I think that he would do well on the Jets. So getting, you know, shipping Sam Darnold out, you know, getting a couple extra picks, nothing crazy. I mean, the 2022 second round pick will probably be pretty nice considering that the Panthers, I believe, solely due to their defense, will finish low. So they'll have a pretty high second round draft pick. And you're getting, you know, a sixth round draft pick this year potential gem probably not and a fourth round pick that's not that bad for next year so i just look at what the jets are hauling in and the fact that whether sam darnold got traded or not they were still going to draft a qb so they were at least getting assets for sam darnold you know in the meantime you know with these draft picks right and they're still getting a you know a high-end quarterback with the second pick most likely so as of right now i kind of lean towards the jets but I do like the trade for the Panthers as well because I don't think that, you know, and as much as I love Teddy Bridgewater and what he did with the Saints and happy that he got the bag with, with the Panthers, but I don't necessarily think he's exactly a leader. I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was like somewhere between 0-6 or 0-10, somewhere in that range on game-winning drives this past season. And uh, from what I've heard and from what I've read, it's all been due to his fault. So, and again, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a bad quarterback, but, you know, I don't think he's a franchise quarterback where Sam Darnold is much, much younger and he might, you know, show potential in a system where he has Christian McCaffrey, where he has 
DJ Moore, where he has Robbie Anderson, where he has a very solid, very, very solid offense. So I'm very stuck with this trade, but for right now, I think because the Jets are getting those picks and you don't know what those picks are going to turn into. And as of right now, you know, Sam Darnold's a bust, but you don't know what he's going to turn into in a different organization. So it sways back and forth for me. It really is an equal value trade. Like, they're, the Jets are giving up Sam Darnold on uncertain ground. Like, the dude was nothing for them. How's he going to do for the Panthers? They don't know. So they trade him for low-value draft picks that could possibly provide some sort of value later down the line. I get it. I mean, really, this is one of those trades that we kind of have to wait out and see. Sam Darnold turns into the man, then clear-cut winner is the Panthers. But if not, then i probably side with you and say that the Jets are winning out there. Totally honestly, agree. honestly, the million dollar question for Carolina is who is going to be their starter next year? Is Teddy going to start or is Sam going to start? But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I can't imagine it not being Sam Darnold because I don't know why you'd go out and get Sam Darnold if you're not going to, you know. And again, it doesn't seem like they paid a lot, but a second and a fourth and a sixth, you know, in totality, it's a decent amount. You know, that's that's three separate picks. Um, right. So I can't imagine Sam Darnold not being the starter or, you know, he sits behind Teddy for a year. Who knows? So again, Maybe it's one of those offseason battle type deals. Who knows? I mean, that's how it's going to be with Jameis and uh, Taysom Hill. God, I absolutely Taysom Hill does not get the starting job. I want to. <laughs> All right. That's it for most recent news for football. Yeah, nothing really, really crazy. Uh, again, all due respect to Julian Edelman, and we will see how the Sam Darnold trade works out. Moving on, we are going to do an NFL mock draft top 10 for the top 10 teams with the first 10 picks. We're going to go over the top 10 picks. We're going to go back and forth with the draft coming up. You know, who's going where? I've seen so many, so many mock drafts being put out online. I've been reading through them. I've seen a lot of wacky ones too. So uh, we made our own. And I'm glad that Ryan can help assist me in this because me just talking and talking, going through 10 different teams and 10 different players can get fairly boring. So (laughs) Ryan, if you'd like to start, because I gave you the first overall pick. Absolutely. I mean, this one's clear as day. Jags, number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, QB out of Clemson. I mean, best thing since sliced bread, apparently. Uh, could be the next Peyton Manning. Jags, Jags are going to hope to uh, land big here with Trevor Lawrence. And I think they will. I think the Jews got a lot of potential. Then they just got to surround him with weapons. Uh, he's going number one, no doubt. Totally agree. I mean, I don't think there's any debate here. He's been t- highly touted as one of the best quarterback prospects coming out of college and, you know, in, in a long time. Uh, I'm seeing that Jacksonville Jaguars fans are actually buying him gifts. I saw that he got a $300 toaster and a vacuum. Um, <laughs> they've, I think people have raised over $3,000 for him. Um, and while he has gotten gifts, he plans to donate most of the money to charity. So already making an impact. He's a good man. He's a good man. He's going to make a lot of money most likely. Uh, so Trevor Lawrence going one to the Jags, all said and done. No questions asked. 100% going to happen. Number two, this is me, and I, we, you know, we just talked about Sam Darnold. I think the Jets take Zach Wilson. Again, Sam Darnold didn't pan out. They shipped him out, get a few assets for him. The Jets, they still have – my only problem with the Jets is that they still have a lackluster offense. They, they failed to get Kenny Galladay in the offseason. They failed to get Allen Robinson in the offseason. They failed to get Will Fuller in the offseason. So, I'm not entirely sure what their game plan is because as of right now, their three receivers are – Unless Prashad Perriman only signed a one-year deal, then it's Prashad Perriman, Denzel Mims, uh, Chris Herndon at tight end, and Jamison Crowder, I believe, is their swap, slot receiver. And I have no clue who their running back is. I don't think they signed anyone in the offseason. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're struggling weapon-wise. So if, if Zach Wilson is going to be the guy coming in for the Jets, uh, it's going to have a hard time. It's, it's hard to win when you're playing in New York. Um, it's been the trend for the last couple of years. Um, we'll see though. Maybe Zach Wilson has the juice to make the guys around him better, but I don't know, dude, like you said, they have no weapons from top to bottom. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, uh, hopefully he can bring some Patrick Mahomes esque flair to the jets. And like you said, make the players, you know, better around him. 
but you know, that really takes a lot to do. Plus I just, I've just never been a fan of the Jets organization. I think that they fail to get things that they need and constantly do it over and over and over again. I mean, you know, and again, with the Sam Darnold trade, part of the reason he was never good is because he never had anyone good and he never had a good defense. So he's constantly playing from behind. Who knows? But I think that the Jets, after shipping out Sam Darnold, I think it's pretty much a lock for them to draft Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. 49ers. Right. I am going to follow up with the 49ers with a well, – some might call it surprising, but I have them trading up to take Mac Jones um, out of Alabama. His season this year cannot go unnoticed. Uh, probably one of the best offensive teams we've seen Alabama have for years. And I feel like Mac Jones kind of gets overlooked in that. That fast play, fast-paced offense is a perfect fit with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan does an amazing job running offenses like that with Coleman and Ayuk and all of them. Uh, this could be a dangerous fit. Uh, Mac Jones is very quick with quick throws, quick dump-offs. Uh, this, this could be an amazing fit, and it could be a bright future for Mac Jones if he fits in well and this team mesh as well. They, the 49ers just got to hope that they stay healthy this year. I, I think this is a – dream fit and a dream situation for Mac Jones to go to the 49ers and flourish. See, I'm with you on this for the sole reason that, again, it is a fast-paced environment in the 49ers territory. They, you know, they, they, they're known for a great offensive scheme, especially on the ground. But what I like, though, is that last year, I mean, one, of, one of my favorite guys from the rookie class last year that was heavily underlooked, Brandon Ayuk, I think that he could be a a great pairing with Mac Jones. And don't forget, you know, you have George Kittle too. And uh, so, and, and potentially, you know, this is a very deep, deep wide receiver class. So I could honestly see if they go out and get Mac Jones, I could truly see them grabbing somebody in the second round, potentially if they still have a second round pick. I mean, this, this whole wide receiver class is again, very, very deep. Um, Loaded from top to bottom. I do think that, it's down to Mac Jones or Justin Fields, but I don't know. And, and I'll get to it, but I've just never been sold on Ohio state QBs. They're, they seem to be cursed. They never seem to pan out. Um, and I know Kyle Shanahan has personally been doing a lot of scouting on Mac Jones. So this is definitely a very, very possible option. Uh, so, yeah. And, and you know what? It could be a great fit, especially again with their run heavy offense and the constant dump offs and, you know, things of that, that like, it could end up working out very, very well. And, you know, if Justin Fields doesn't pan out, Mac Jones does, that would end up being a great look for the 49ers. So Mac Jones is a Mac Jones is an excellent fit for the 49ers off the sole fact that he knows a fast paced offense. He did it all year this year with Alabama and Kyle Shanahan only knows go, go, go. So uh, I, I think this dude was made for San Francisco. I agree. I think it could work out with number four at this point. It's kind of a, you know, the Falcons are sitting at four, you know, they were hoping maybe a quarterback falls to them and they could very well go after, you know, Justin Fields at this point. But I think they look at protecting Matt Ryan for the next year and they take Panay Sewell. Panay Sewell is a great offensive tackle uh, prospect coming out of Oregon. He's, he had a great career in college, you know, what the Falcon the Falcons are such a mysterious team because it will to me at least being a Saints fan I noticed that this offense has been declining since Kyle Shanahan left and we all know Kyle Shanahan is an offensive mastermind and the defense yeah. has continued to be lackluster since um, you know since that Super Bowl season and you know they still have Matt Ryan they still have Julio Jones the run game extremely questionable. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there, but you know, they got Calvin Ridley too. you know, why not protect Matt Ryan? Why not give him that extra protection and make that offense as fluid as possible? You know, hopefully it's also hard because Julio Jones keeps getting hurt. And I hate seeing that because he's so, so talented, 100% a hall of famer. But at this point, I think it's about, you know, keeping Matt Ryan, don't draft another quarterback and give him the protection that he needs. I think that, I, again, Justin Fields, I like him. I thought he was great in college, but I'm not sold on Ohio State QBs. So drafting him fourth overall, I don't think would be a great fit for the Falcons. So, again, best off the board, Panay Sewell. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with that. That's a good pick. Um, for me, my personally, in my own, 
I either had them taking Panay or taking Kyle Pitts just to add another weapon to an offense that really needs an infusion of something. Um, but I, I do agree Matt Ryan needs some protection. Um, this The Falcons team is, like you said, mysterious. They, they got a lot of holes to fix to really get back to where they were in that Super Bowl year. So that's a good, sure. good, good situation for Panay. Um, Ryan? I'm going to follow up with kind of a surprise. I danced the line here. I debated. I had them originally taking Jalen Waddle, but I switched it up. Uh, the Bengals, what's their biggest need? They need somebody that's going to protect Joe Burrow. I mean, this dude got absolutely obliterated last year, so I have them taking Rashawn Slater, uh, the number two offensive lineman in this year's draft um, out of Northwestern. Dude's a monster. He's huge. He's big. And they desperately, desperately need somebody to protect Joe Burrow. Uh, it's sad to see him get hurt last year. I'd hate to see it happen again this year. They need to bring somebody in to protect them. So I have them take Rashawn Slater. I totally agree with this. I think that the only other suitable option for this pick would be Jamar Chase solely for that LSU connection. But I do agree that the most important need for the Bengals, and, you know, again, I hated seeing Joe Burrow get hurt last year. I like, you know, LSU because I'm a Saints fan. I like LSU. I love Joe Burrow. I don't want to see him get hurt again. It already hurt enough to see him get hurt last year. Um, but 100% that offensive line needs to get beefed up. It is so thin and it has been thin for a while now. You know, this is your franchise quarterback. You know, he, he showed, you know, flashes, not maybe not per se greatness, but he showed flashes of a great career in his rookie, in, in a short span in his rookie season. And unfortunately that got hurt. And I believe he tore his ACL, right? He, uh, I think is he tore his ACL, MCL, I think he got like complete reconstruction on his knee. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. It was against Washington. So yeah, and you you know you hate to hear that, but again, if he's gonna come back healthy next year, you do not want to get him hurt. Because and I hate to say it, but one more injury like that, his career might already be over. And I don't want to say that yeah. about Joe Burrow because I want to see him flourish. But I like Rashawn Slater with this pick. A lot of people might think that it's a you know it's a reach because he's projected to go you know somewhere between ten to fifteen. But this is exactly what the Bengals need. And, and, you know, depending on how the draft's going, they could potentially, you know, drop down and then tr- draft him or Christian Darisol later. But I do like this pick. I think that max protection is exactly what the, what the Bengals need right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. For the Dolphins, I went with Devontae Smith. I did not go with Jamar Chase here for the sole reason that, you know, why would that Bengals have chosen Jamar Chase? Well, because Joe Burrow went to LSU with Jamar Chase. Well, you know, if Jamar Chase is that good enough to go five, why wouldn't he go six? Why would Devontae Smith go over him? Well, Tua played with Devontae, or, uh, with the Devontae Smith, so why wouldn't they draft him? I think the Dolphins lack a true, true, a truly consistent wide receiver one. I like Devontae Parker, but his health issues are definitely a serious concern. And outside of him, they don't have any insanely great receiving threats. Maybe Mike Kosicki. I know he had a pretty solid year last year. But, you know, they go out, they get the Heisman winner. You you know, you reintroduce that that college connection between Tua and Smith into the NFL, and it could definitely – it could work out. And then Devontae Smith can end up being a turn wide receiver one for the, for the Dolphins. And Devontae Parker, as a number two, is very, very solid. So that's just my thoughts. What do you think? I, I love this pick. Uh, Devontae Smith is the speed that the Dolphins need to really take the top off, but he's also a freak athlete. I mean, you saw what he did. Heisman winner out of Alabama. Dude's a unit. I mean, uh, this is a good pick to the Dolphins, a good fit. He's going to create a lot of open space for, like you said, Kasaki and Parker. Um, this, is a good, this is a good, strong fit for Devontae Smith, and I think he would flourish in this system. Uh, now he just has to hope that Tua can be a little bit more consistent. Totally agree. I think a lot of it, I think most of it depends on to it because he seemed a little bit lackluster last year. So hopefully, you know, drafting Smith would boost his confidence and get, you know, that offense going. So. Absolutely. I agree. I'm going to follow up with you here with the Lions pick. Uh, I now have Jamar Chase coming off the board. Uh, Jared Goff, new man in town, needs some weapons. They lose Galladay. They don't have much else. So they got to bring somebody in. Why not bring in Jamar Chase here? Um, freak athlete at LSU. I, I think this is this could be a match made in heaven if Jared Goff pans out in Detroit. 
Yeah, no, I, I again, I think it's essential because they lost Galladay and we know exactly how good Galladay is. But what's funny is that I see Jamar Chase as a very, very similar player to Galladay, much a lot faster. I don't think Galladay's crazy fast, but he is a you know, both of them are a downfield receiving threat. They both are big bodies, so no questioning that. And you know, and I believe that the Lions also lost Marvin Jones Jr. So they pretty much have no one right now. Right. So, they they have to bring in a wide receiver and yeah. no matter who it is. Yeah. You know, it, you know, for your running back situation, you got DeAndre Swift. He'll probably do fine. But you have a new quarterback in town too. Like you said, Jared Goff is a new quarterback. So you bring in Goff and then in the offseason, you're unable to retain either Marvin Jones or Kenny Galladay. So where do you look to, you know, replace that the draft? You know, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. Who's going to draft receivers. You know, it's, you know, potentially the Bengals could go with Jamar Chase and then the Dolphins could go with Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. And then the Lions take Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase. It could really be any of the three. I think it's truly. A Honestly. Um, you know, they wouldn't go out and get somebody like Kyle Picks because TJ Hawkinson's a very, very good tight end. Um, but I think at this point, you know, they're, they're looking at the board and for the next couple of picks, like they don't, they don't really need any cornerbacks. They don't really need any linebackers. I mean, obviously they could use them, but you know, they drafted Jeff Okuda last year. They had, uh, I forget who their linebackers were, but they weren't awful. Uh, I just think that with the amount of loss on the offensive side, they have to replace some of it. And I think the first step in doing so in this, in our mock draft, at least would be Jamar Chase. So I definitely agree. Absolutely. And uh, time will tell, like you said, any one of those top three between Waddle, Smith, or Chase can go off the board in any one of these orders. But I, I just can't see if Jamar Chase is still available at this point. I can't see him falling any deeper, especially for a team that's in desperate need of some offensive help. For sure. For sure. And for the Panthers at eight, I have them taking Justin Fields. And I know I was kind of just bashing Justin Fields. And I know that the Panthers just traded for Sam Darnold. And I know they still have Teddy Bridgewater under a three-year, $60 million contract. However, I am skeptical of Sam Darnold. I love Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm skeptical of, you know, how he can carry a team. I don't think either of them are the solution. And, but I do think one of them will start this year. And I think that they go and draft Justin Fields if he lasts this long in the draft. And he sits for a year or two, whether it's, okay, let's test out this uh, Sam Darnold. He doesn't work out. They get rid of him. Simple as that. And then for the next year, if they still don't feel that Justin Fields is ready, okay, we still have Teddy Bridgewater under a three-year contract. This is his last year, so let's let Teddy Bridgewater finish out his contract and let him learn behind Teddy Bridgewater. And then he probably won't work out. And then you have no quarterbacks under contract except Justin Fields under his rookie deal. Now, we have seen Justin Fields and what he's done. He's played phenomenal at Ohio State. And if I'm not mistaken, he just – didn't they not maybe not obliterate Clemson, but he knocked Clemson out of the college football playoffs. You know, he did. He played a very well game. He played that game hurt as well. Yeah. He got injured in that game and he, he played strong through it. Exactly. And this was a game against the number one draft pick, Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, at this point, why not draft Justin Fields? Yeah, they might want to look in other directions. They might want to go with, you know, I don't know, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain or any of the cornerbacks, uh, potentially even Michael Parsons because they still lack a linebacker. But I think what they need to do, especially with the offensive unit they have with, you know, McCaffrey, D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, you know, I think Justin Fields wouldn't be a bad pick here either, uh, especially in the situation that I proposed earlier with, you know, letting Sam Darnold play. If he doesn't work out, ship him. If Teddy Bridgewater doesn't work out the year after that, his contract's over, so it doesn't hurt anybody. You know, and another potential pick for this spot is Kyle Pitts. But again, at this point, if Justin Fields and Ohio State QB is lasting this long on the board, I don't see how the Panthers could pass on him. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, this is a this is an offense that really is in a lot of uncertainty in terms of QB. Why not take the chance and get Fields just in case option one and option two fail? And then you have a fallback with a possible quarterback of the future. Um, uh, this is a solid pick. If they don't go with fields, they got to go defense. They got to go defense. 100%. I, if they go defense, hopefully it's somebody like Michael Parsons or Caleb Farley or, or any of the top cornerback rank, uh, top ranked cornerbacks in this draft class. But uh, Justin Fields, that is my pick for now. 
Next, we got the Broncos. Uh, I have the Broncos taking Patrick Sertain, uh, dominant corner. Uh, Broncos defense is on the downtrend after their Super Bowl year, for sure. They need to bring in somebody to kind of rejuvenate that. Why not bring in Patrick Sertain to kind, kind of come in and lock it down? Uh, that's my pick there. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Yeah, I see him I, coming I, off the board here. I definitely agree. And, uh, you know, I think that Denver was on a downtrend for a while with their defense, but this past season, they weren't actually that awful, believe it or not. Bryce Callahan was a great pickup over from, you know, the Bears. He joined and he played excellent. He was one of the highest graded corners in the league this year. Uh, he was excellent for the Broncos secondary. Uh, Kareem Jackson, former uh, Texans cornerback, ends up moving and switching to a safety role, and he was also had a great season. So if you throw Patrick Sertain in the mix, move, you know, either keep Bryce Callahan at the one, Sertain at the two, vice versa. I think they're equal caliber players. Obviously, Bryce Callahan a little more certain because he's already in the NFL. But if you put those two next to each other, that's a that's going to be a hard secondary to bypass yeah. as an offense. So. I'm, and, and personally, I'm not that worried about the Broncos offense. The only thing I'm, there's two things I'm worried about on the offense. I do think that they could shore up the, the offensive line a little bit. I think that uh, Garrett Bowles, him having a good season after failing for the first couple of years. I mean, he was awful his first couple of years. I think him stepping up and having a good season this past season uh, is a big sign for all the, you know, sign for their offensive line. Uh, but other than that, Drew Locke, maybe I, I, I still have high hopes for him because I've seen a lot of potential in him. I know he's working with Payne Manning this offseason, and Payne Manning says he likes what he's seeing. So hopefully, you know, he gets him out of his funk and, and Drew, Locke, Drew Locke starts to perform. But offensively, they have great weapons. You know, they have Melvin Gordon. They have uh, Cortland Sutton. They have KJ Hamler. They have Jerry Judy. They got a, a Tim Patrick. They have a lot of good people. Noah Fan. Their offense all around sparkles with talent. So, you know, this, they, at this point, if you know, I could see them going Trey Lance with this pick, but other than that, I don't, it's got to be defense. I agree with you 100%. This team has so much talent all around. They just got to shore it up. They got to bring in the pieces that are going to be the glue, um, you could say, to kind of bring out this mesh of talent. I think Patrick Sertain will do that for the defense. Um, and if they don't go this route, then they got to go somewhere offensively. Let's say Trey Lance. Um, just in case Drew Locke doesn't work out. Or another offensive lineman to show up the line, maybe Darashaw. Yeah. 100%. I could see them going that route. Yeah, either of them, if they don't take anyone defensively, I could see them taking that route. And, you know, we'll find out soon enough. This draft is, is coming up on us quickly. But we do have one last pick for the number 10 overall pick. That is the Cowboys. And at this point, Kyle Pitts has not been taken off the board. So I do think that they take Kyle Pitts solely because – Jerry Jones is a weirdo. Now, I'm not saying he's weird for this pick because I like Kyle Pitts. I think he's a great uh, – one of the best prospects uh, in this entire draft class. I could see him, you know, if tight end was was a bigger need for, you know, the top five teams, then I might see them go, you know, somebody drafting Kyle Pitts. But I do think that he falls for a while, and I think that Jerry Jones scoops him up because he thinks, you know, he's going to be a great offensive talent. And I also think he's going to be a great offensive talent. That offense will be scary. You got Zeke, Dak. You got Amari Cooper, you got CeeDee Lamb, and then you'll, you're throwing Kyle Pitts into the rotation. So that offense is going to be great. But my thing is, is like that defense is awful. So that no matter what, if the offense puts up 50, if they're playing a good offense on the other team, that offense is going to drop 55. So that's my only concern with this pick. But based on what I've seen from Jerry Jones and, and, and him having some control over G, you know, the picks that are made, Man, I just uh, – it has to be Kyle Pitts at this point, right? Cowboys have the big name complex because of Jerry Jones. Um, they're going to ignore what they need, and I agree with you. They're going to go with Pitts. They're going to go with the big name, when in reality they need it, They need some defensive help. Um, that offense will be terrifying with Kyle, Pet, Kyle Pitts. I'm not going to lie to you. 100%. I mean, loaded, loaded from top to bottom in every facet between Lamb, Cooper. They also have Gallup. Gallup, yes. um, Ezekiel Elliott, like the, the list goes on and on with the weapons that they do have. So offensively, they're terrifying. But like you said, they can score 40, 50 points a game, but they're not going to be able to stop teams who have that same offensive firepower to stop them from going up for 40, 50 points as well. Uh, they really need defense, but I agree with you. I think if Kyle Pitts fought, falls this far, 
they're not going to be able to ignore him and they're going to take him. Exactly. I don't really have much else to say. Like you said, Jerry Jones is all about the big name, the big name that'll sell jerseys, Kyle Pitts, you know, this great offensive feature on, on the Cowboys and he does great and he does well and he's selling jerseys, but the team ends up going like eight, you know, because we have a 17 game season now, ends up going like eight and nine or seven and 10 because their defense can't stop anyone. But it just makes, it not necessarily makes sense for the Cowboys. I mean, they do lack a tight end, but for what they won't need to win, it's got to be somebody on defense. But this is who I think they pick if he falls that far. That is it for our top 10 mock draft. I hope everyone enjoyed that. I am so excited for this draft to come up. I'm excited to see what teams pick who. I think there's a lot of uncertainty. I think a lot of crazy things could happen on draft day, and we will see what happens. Now, that is it. We are moving on to the Washington football team segment where I will be asking Ryan some questions just about the team. Again, this is an extended, not extended, but a continuation of the NFL world episodes that I'm currently doing so far we have had Vikings Patriots and Rams it has been so so much fun doing this so far getting all these different perspectives and now we move on to the Washington football team so let's get right into it right off the bat Ryan how did you become a Washington football team fan uh pretty straightforward uh it's kind of crazy I grew up in Eagles country um surrounded by Eagles fans but my dad uh is has always been a Washington fan growing up. Um, so since I was little, when I started watching football with them, we've always been rooting for Washington and just kind of followed through till now. I've just kind of hooked into the Washington culture and I just love it. I love, I love it. I love it. Awesome. You can go all the way back to the hogs. You can go all the way up till now um, through thick and thin. I mean, I, I bleed burgundy and gold. Awesome. Awesome. So on top of being, it's, you know, a fan, obviously, and you're not exactly, you're not far, but you're not necessarily close to where they play. But have you been to a Washington football team game before? I have. I've been to a couple, actually. Uh, my first game ever was we still had RG3. Uh, we were playing the Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson. Um, I think we ended up losing by six points. I think it was like 23 to 17. So it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad of a game. That was my first game, but I've been to a couple, probably about three or four. I've been there for the first Thanksgiving home game. Uh, I've been there for one of our homecoming games where we bring back our Super Bowl champions. Um, I've, been, I've been to a couple. It's about like a three-and-a-half-hour drive to the stadium, so not too bad. But, uh, yeah, I've been to a couple of games. And you kind of already told me what it was like, but if you had to describe, if you had to describe the atmosphere of the game in one word, how would you describe it? Uh, it's it, it really is awesome. I mean, you can see the history of the franchise. We've been – We've been established since 1932, and you can see the same traditions that have been carried on from them to now. The fan base is awesome. Um, very loyal fans, despite uh, years of lackluster success. Um, everybody still is prideful in that franchise, and, and it shows when you're at a game. Um, through thick and thin, these fans stick it out, and it's, it's nice being in that family of fans there. Um, like I said, hasn't always been the best, um, especially – in my lifetime, I'm sure older fans enjoyed it, but uh, it, it is awesome being in that environment and being ingrained in that culture. Nice. So with current controversy over the team's name, historically, you know, they have been the Redskins for a long time. And just recently they rebranded to the Washington football team, obviously not a name that flares intensity or, or craziness or, or hype, but it seems like, that this franchise is leaning towards keeping it now it's become kind of a meme and people i've seen people actually like the name just because of how basic it is now i disagree i think that they need to find a new name so what are your thoughts coming from a washington fan i mean i i agree with you i think it's time for a new name as well i mean washington football team is all right for the year i know they've actually opened up fan voting for opinions and uh new team names uh, I personally, I like the, the biggest one I saw. My favorite was the Red Wolves. We can call our stadium the Den. We can bring everybody in around that. Um, if they don't go that route, they could keep it simple with something as easy as the Warriors and take our old logo, which was an arrow on the side of that helmet, just bring that back, make us the Warriors, make it real simple. Um, Washington football team was nice for the year, temporary, having that as our temporary name. It was simple. It was sweet. Didn't pop out on paper, and obviously it's laughable, but – I, I agree with you. It's definitely time to change the name. 
And I, I think they're making the right steps to do it. They're definitely focused on football right now. And it's clear just from top to bottom organizationally, they want to make sure that this team is better. So the last thing on their mind, it's, it's clear that it's the name of the team. Um, but, but they are making the steps to change it. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. If I had to pick between the two that you propose, I actually like the Red Wolves solely because you could call the stadium the den. Uh, so I definitely like that idea, but I do think keeping it as basic as the Warriors, the Washington Warriors, and it does flow a little bit, um, you know, would be suitable as well. But in, in totality, I agree. I do think that need, they need to change their name eventually because football team is not exactly something that strikes fear into your opponent. So No, not at all. <laughs> so historically and currently, we'll start with historically. Who is your favorite player from the franchise? Uh, historically in my lifetime, I probably have to say, I actually, this one, everyone who knows me, I talk about him all the time. It's Sean Taylor, but I actually kind of debated this a little bit between him and Clinton Portis, but I, I think Sean Taylor is definitely the way to go. Uh, dude was an animal and unfortunately his life was cut short, but I, I, this dude was a freak athlete, definitely the hardest hitter I had ever seen play football. Uh, he was everywhere, 100 miles an hour. 100% of the time the dude was a freak athlete and just watching him play and now looking back watching his highlights I mean there's there's no safety that would do the things that he did now obviously because you probably couldn't you get flagged 15 yards but um I mean this dude was a freak athlete and he just from top to bottom uh, dude was awesome amazing to watch um currently this was another tough one. I debated this one, but I have to go with Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry. Uh, dude is an animal. And he's definitely flying under the radar as one of the league's best wide receivers because of so much inconsistency at quarterback here in Washington. Um, if this dude had a steady quarterback, I don't think there's any reason why we wouldn't be talking about him as a top five wide receiver. But this guy is putting up ridiculous numbers through – Injuries included. Um, I believe the last three weeks of the season, he played with grade three ankle sprains in both ankles and he played through it. Um, this dude is awesome. Definitely a steal because we drafted him in the third round, but I, I love this dude. I love him. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I know, uh, you know, you know, Matt Carter. So one of my good friends, Matt, he uh, pretty much has had Terry McLaurin on his fantasy football team every single year. I know Terry good pick. Yeah, I I believe he's a keeper for him as well. But I know McLaurin's an absolute beast, especially with the inconsistency at quarterback 100%. Um, you know, hopefully Ryan Fitzpatrick can, you know, bring that consistency and, you know, give Terry McLaurin the ball quite a few times and help him put up some numbers. Uh, a top five, uh, maybe a, a little much. I think he has the potential to get there. But I, I currently – regardless of the inconsistent quarterback play he's in my top 10 no questions asked um he has such such a bright future with so much potential so i definitely love terry mccoyan and as for sean terry yeah, yeah, awesome. uh, rest in peace to him it's very very sad that his life got cut short uh he was the most one of the most ecstatic one of the most energized players uh he you know he, he brought energy to the field every single time and uh now, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him play the rest of his career, but we were fortunate enough to see the beginning of it. So at least we got to see some of John Taylor. So uh, moving on. So thought, what are your overall thoughts on this previous Washington football team season? So they made the playoffs with a seven and nine record, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So they made the playoffs um, with the second and nine, seven and nine correct uh, record, but you know, in the first round, they played the Bucks. Bucks end up winning the Super Bowl. They put up a fight, but that's enough of me talking. Let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me this question halfway through the season, I probably would tell you uh, it was going exactly like I thought. I didn't really see a lot coming out of this season. Uh, we had a lot of dysfunction inside our organization as a whole. Not a lot of talent, a lot of holes to fix, a lot of uncertainty at quarterback, a lot of questions. Um, so through the first eight games, it probably was exactly what I thought. Not, not very well, but I don't know what happened. It started in that Steelers game and that team just rode the wave the rest of the way. Uh, and they showed their true potential during that. 
Um, definitely good that we got rid of the cancer that is Dwayne Haskins. Uh, this dude was a bust. I'm glad he's gone. Um, very appreciative of Alex Smith and the things he did for us here. Um, just after that gruesome injury and coming back, what a story. I mean, incredible. Um, definitely appreciate the things he did for us and taking us to the playoffs um, the way he did. Um, and a lot of future. Like you said, we lost to the Buccaneers in the first round at 7-9. and nine. Um, But Taylor Heineke, like, who is Taylor Heineke? Nobody knows. Dude was a backup in the XFL before this game, and he comes in and he lights it up, and everyone's shocked. I mean, we we just paid him two years, eight million. So maybe this team found something in him. Hopefully, we will see uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's coming in. So hopefully, he can groom him a little bit well. Uh, I, I mean, we'll see. There's a lot of potential, especially on the defensive side of the ball. These dudes were monsters. Our defense was amazing, and they're going to have another year to really mesh because we didn't lose anybody defensively. So in our first year, we were a strong defensive unit. Add another year to really build that chemistry and be together. That defense could be even scarier this year, and that's insane to think about. But there's a bright future. We just got to we just got to fix the holes. Um, just fix the holes. For sure, for sure. I think that you know, obviously Chase Chase Young is an absolute game breaker. He's an absolute stud. Uh, but Dude's a cheat code. He is, but that defensive line as a whole is is pretty gross. So uh, it's not it's not just. I mean, obviously Chase Young is like you know the premier athlete for that. To, you know that defensive line, but that defensive line as a whole is very very good. So right for other teams can't underestimate. And I honestly just like their defense as a whole. I think they're they're underrated, especially with the William Jackson pickup too, the cornerback from the Bengals. The uh, signing of him. And everyone seems to forget that we have Matthew Ioannidis as well, who's been one of the better pass rushers. And you know he got he injured got this last from? year. Temple University. Temple University. <laughs> he, uh, he tore his bicep, so he wasn't able to finish this season. But he was out all year, and we still were doing an amazing job getting to the ball. Montez Sweat had the season that we wanted him to have last year. He broke out this year. Um, a, lot of, a lot of pieces are starting to catch come together between our front four with young sweat allen and Payne. allen and Payne just stuffed the run i mean cameron curl this safety we drafted in the seventh round is an absolute diamond i mean what a find this dude is amazing landon collins will be coming back from injury um and we lose Ken, or we lose ronald darby who had a good comeback season coming off of his lackluster years with the eagles but he came in, he played very strong with us, and we lost him. But like you said, we bring in William Jackson to kind of fill that hole. He's arguably one of the better corners in the league. Uh, this defense has got it, man. They got – it's here. Like, this is exactly what I thought this defense would be um, in the last couple of years. This is it here. I definitely agree. Uh, so, I mean, you pretty much answered it. The question, was this season better or worse than you thought? Uh, 100% better. Uh, if you want to expand on any of the positive, negative takeaways, go for it. Um, like I said, I mean, our our defense is exactly what I – like what they said our defense could have been for the last couple of years is exactly what it was this year. So it's exciting to look forward um, to next year. But more importantly, on the negative side of the ball, our offense as a whole, we got a lot of holes to fix. Um, we have a lot of potential. Antonio Gibson, that running back we drafted, yes, is very – he is one of my keepers for fantasy, so I enjoy that very much. He's very good. We brought in J.D. McKissick, who was the best statistically third down back in the NFL this year. He led all running backs and receptions and receiving yards. He was very good as a third down back. We desperately needed somebody that was going to be able to carry the load on third downs or be that check down option. He did well in that. Um, our wide receivers, all young. A lot of potential. We signed Logan Thomas. This dude had a breakout year at tight end. I mean, there's a lot of upside. There's just one issue. Who's throwing to him? We bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, so that'll be nice as a temporary solution. He's not our long-term, so we definitely need to get a new quarterback in place of him But uh, and, and sure up our offensive line. I think once we bring in our long-term option, which who knows, maybe it's Taylor Heineke. Maybe these guys found something. I, I would be shocked. It would be awesome if it was him what a story that would be. But uh, we did, we got to find a long-term solu solution at QB. 
I like the fix with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, what a great bridge quarterback. If we were to start bridging, say it was Heineke now, or if we shock the world and trade up, because I've seen that in a couple mock drafts and draft a QB to sit behind Fitzpatrick. What a story that would be. Um, and sure up that offensive line, de- especially the left side. Uh, that's really the biggest thing for me. I mean, our defense is there. It's a strong defense. We just got to figure out what the offensive issues that we have. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of it just pans on the, uh, the offensive line and the quarterback because, you know, you have Terry McLaurin. And don't forget, they just added Curtis Samuel, I believe, too, right? Uh, yeah, we did. We just added him. We saw, yeah, Curtis Samuel coming in from Carolina is definitely, he's a, he's a, a low-key solid pickup. Like, really, he's really a weapon. He is a weapon anywhere on the field, whether he's running Jeff sweeps or, or just doing crazy routes. He's a low, like I said, a very low-key, a very good signing for the, for that team. So, and we definitely needed him. We also have Kelvin Harmon coming back from injury. Not a lot of people know a lot about him because he has been hurt. But he is a big body and he is a physical receiver. His rookie year, he actually didn't play for the first half um, because he was on our practice squad. But we brought him up and he played and he ended up getting about 600 receiving yards in half a season. Dude's a pretty big body. So it'll be nice to have that physical presence out there on top of the speed and the overall athleticism you get between Samuel and McLaren. And Logan Thomas, throw him in the mix. Like I said, there's a lot of potential from top to bottom on this team. It's just a matter of sharing it up. Yeah, so as for current strengths, you made it very clear that the defense top to bottom 100% is the biggest strength on the team. And as for weakest aspects, finding a long-term QB and filling that gap on the left side of the O-line would be the weakest aspects, like I just said. So what would you – so obviously free agency has already kind of, uh, you know, it's already – come around it's been around and there's not really any more free agents to be signed um but we'll talk about the free agent signings that they did pick up which we've already kind of mentioned uh but if you would like to briefly talk about you know the few that they signed go for it yeah i mean like we said curtis samuel coming in on the offensive side of the ball definitely the speeded we need to take the top off or if we needed that surprise factor with jet sweeps end arounds whatever it may be curtis samuel has the capability of doing that um, he's going to help out a lot on offense. William Jackson, just because he played for the Bengals, I really feel like he doesn't get talked about a lot, but he is one of our better man-up corners in the league. He has no fear. He'll match up with anybody. And he gives them a run for their money. He's a really solid corner and definitely nice to bring him in, especially after losing Darby when Darby had his bounce back year. And I think the obviously the biggest name we sign is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, be just because he's fits magic, baby. Yeah. Um, you bring him in. Love him. You bring him in, and he's he's going to do great things this year, especially with such a young core. They're going to look to him to be that veteran leader, and that'll be nice to have for this year. And like I said, now's the perfect time. If Taylor Heineke is the dude, if they found something in him, now's the time to start grooming him under Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ryan Fitzpatrick has that capability of bridging dudes like that. Um, it, I would have liked to seen us sign an alignment. Um, they didn't go that route, which is fine. It's totally fine. Uh, there's always the draft for that. Um, and, and, and I could see. Oh, go I was going to say, speaking of the draft, what would you like to see happen in the draft? Uh, draft an offensive lineman. I mean, like, it's pretty clear. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is our guy and they just paid Taylor Heineke, I mean, really, our biggest toll is offensive lineman. Or there's two other options. Uh, it's going to sound stupid, but add a middle linebacker to our lineup. Our middle linebacker is probably the weakest uh, spot on our defense. Still strong play from John Bostic. He gets really under, He gets really underlooked. He was our leading tackler on our defense last year. Uh, he did a great job as our middle linebacker, but, I mean, it's John Bostic. Why not maybe look into the middle linebacker class? It's never deep but it, it would help to bring in a guy um, if we needed it or shock the world trade up. Let's take our QB of the future. If it's not Taylor, let's put him behind Fitzpatrick for eight games. Like they usually do and turn him into a superstar halfway through the season. I mean, let's see, but uh, my hope is to draft an offensive lineman. I really hope they go that route because we desperately, desperately need it. And it's going to make a huge difference on our team if they show it because our offensive line right now is honestly makeshift and they're, still ranked in the top i think it was 15 offensive lines and it's literally makeshift i mean 
So bring in a solid name to throw in that line, and it's going to make all the difference. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good idea, especially because, okay, you're going to give Ryan Fitzpatrick one year of protection because he's probably only going to be there for one year. And, you know, this guy who is on the now the left side of the line from this year's draft will be protecting Taylor Heineke in future years. And if he doesn't work out, you end up drafting or going after a free agent quarterback and you're giving him protection without having to address it after you sign or you know draft one. So right. I always think that getting an offensive lineman, though it's not a flashy pick, it's so essential for an offense's success. Uh, you know, it's clear as day. So I think that would be a great idea. Um, as for anyone who should be cut, traded, or traded for, or anyone that they would like to trade for, who would you say? So this one was tough. I had a lot of options. Um but I think just with the draft pick of Cameron Curl in the seventh round, we really don't need Landon Collins and his contract coming back, which is so hard to hear considering his name is Landon Collins. Like, dude, for the longest time, was the most dominant safety in football. He hasn't really lived up to that in Washington. I mean, he has been solid, but not the same as he was with the Giants. Um, so if anything, may, maybe consider dropping him down to linebacker because he is hybrid enough to do that. If that doesn't work out, why not trade him some for some value, free up some cap space, get some draft picks for next year. Um, and honestly, like that's, that's really all I could see us doing. I mean, this team has a lot of chemistry right now, so I would like to see them keep as much as possible. Um, another person to be on the lookout for, uh, he's in some hot water right now, but if we could wait it out this year in the legal situation with Deshaun Watson, if we don't draft somebody and this year ends and Ryan Fitzpatrick's gone, Heineke's not the guy, we need to do something, why not take a stab at Deshaun Watson after all of his legal troubles subside or whatever ends up happening with him if he's still available. Um, he's definitely a name to look out for, but I think for our, our team personally, I think we if we were to trade anybody or we were to cut anybody, it would have to be Landon Collins. His, his salary is ridiculous and he just hasn't lived up to that max contract um i appreciated his time here but if he were to go i probably would be upset yeah it's definitely fair enough i think that what you have going on right now it's very very young core so uh freeing up cap space is never ever a bad thing or you know if people still value landing collins i would get some you know get a second or third round pick for him why not um, he's still solid i mean uh, he is coming off of an achilles tear so that's huge but uh, he, he still has been solid. This year was probably his worst year prior to getting hurt. Um, but he still has that potential. I mean, he is Landon Collins. The dude still is a freak athlete. He can do a lot of great things for you. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not he could stay on the field or if he can get back to his original form that he was with the Giants. For sure, for sure. And I have one more question about – Washington if things pan out well in the offseason what do you think is a reasonable prediction for the upcoming 2021 season so I think the easiest way for me to look at this is to set a floor and a ceiling kind of like worst of the worst best of the best um, before I really get into the prediction honestly I see our floor either being like five or 12 six and 11 solely because our offense does not live up to the hype and our defense can't do it all. I mean, set it's add an extra game onto the season. Our defense not is not going to be able to win us every game. Uh, contrary to popular belief, that's what they did last year for us to get us into the playoffs. Thankful for that. But it's a whole new season. Um, we're going to need a lot of help offensively. And if that offense doesn't show up, I could see us hitting that floor of five or twelve or six and eleven with that additional game ceiling, eleven and six maybe. Uh, I mean. Our team's not there to be a star-studded team and be a dominant force, but if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in this year and he plays very well and our offense lives up to the hype and we get some help on that offensive line and this team really comes together as a whole from defense and offensively, this team's not far from being one of the better teams in the NFC. They just need some offensive help, and I think if they can get that this year um, under Fitzpatrick, I can see our ceiling be 11-6. and six. Um, may, maybe 12 and five. That's our ceiling though. That's our max honest prediction though. We're probably going to end up in that 10 and seven, nine and eight range. Um, and that hurts to say, especially considering with how bright our future looks, we're just in that awkward teen stage still, we're still trying to figure out those issues and the, and the little things offensively and the little ticks 
once we figure those out, we'll be one of those teams that's 11 and six, 12 and five. But for now, we're still, I think, middle of the pack unless our offense absolutely blows up this year. I do think I do think we will be winning our division this year. Um, our competition will probably be the Giants. The NFC East is always so competitive, regardless of records. We could lose every game and still be the best team at least once. But uh, I, I can see us still winning the division. I think the competition is solely between us and the Giants, just with the offensive, the off the off season that we both have had. I, I think it's a two team race. The Cowboys are good, but like we mentioned earlier, no defense, and the Eagles are just in shambles right now. So I I, I think it's a two team race, honestly, for that division. I think we can win it. Uh, hopefully, we do win it. That would be awesome to see us sneak into the playoffs. Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick can do a little something. Never seen that before, but it would be cool to see it. Um, but we'll see. I, I say like 10 and 7 is probably the honest and if everything pans out well. I definitely think it's a very reasonable prediction. I think anything can really happen in that division considering how weak the other teams are. I think it's definitely a toss-up between the uh, the football team and uh, the Giants, and again, solely because of what you said, uh, how their offseason kind of panned out for both of them. And, you know, we still have the draft, you know, the draft to look uh, look forward to and see what happens there. Um, but 10, 10 and 7, 9 and 8, 100% reasonable. I totally agree. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, thank you for joining me, Ryan. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's been a blast. Um... I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the podcast that you're coming out with around this football world. Uh, this was awesome. And I appreciate the opportunity. Sweet. Thank you. Glad you joined. And I just have one last question. Are you down to football? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>